Good morning, everyone. I haven't met you. My name's Darren. The reading from this, for this morning is from Matthew 5, chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. Just give you a couple of seconds to get your Bibles out. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Not an easy passage today, uh, but let me pray and then we'll get into it. Uh, Dear Lord, as we come to your word now, I pray that we might better understand how it all fits together and see how you have worked through all of history for the good of those you have called. Amen. On today's Mother's Day, I'm presuming that there has either been lots of food or there is going to be lots of food. And I'm going to read out some foods, and I want you to tell me if these things are put in front of you uh, at lunch today, whether you are extremely happy, uh, pretty happy, uh, not so happy, uh, or, or really quite despairing. Okay? Uh, so, so just be yeah, very brief. Uh, we'll, we'll work our way through. So let's start you know, relatively easy. We've got chicken. Okay? Some people might want to take note of these responses. Uh, pork roast. Well, okay, quite adamant on that one. Uh, bacon. Yep. Uh, pumpkin. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. Red mixed room, lamb. Okay, dark horse of sport, rabbit. Oh, no, horse of sport for rabbit. Good for rabbits. Uh, zucchini. Okay, uh, salmon. And last one, prawns. Okay, it's the prawns. Oh no, last one, cauliflower in white sauce. Yeah, I can't support you on that one. <laughs> but that's a lot of support for the room. Yeah. Uh, here is good news if you are a vegetarian. If you were an Old Testament Israelite, then you could eat it all till your heart's Content. Just get that zucchini and keep on going. Uh, but if you were a meat-eating Israelite in the Old Testament, then there were some rules. So I'm not going to go through every animal and every rule, uh, but let me just give you a few. Okay, firstly, the rabbit. This won't despair too many people. Uh, the rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. The pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. And a few verses later. Anything living in the water that does not have fins and scales is to be regarded as unclean by you. So just to be clear, uh, no pork, no bacon, uh, no rabbit, and no prawns. And if you were thinking like a substitute lobster for prawn, then the lobster is out as well. (laughs) 
So, if the Old Testament law says that we cannot eat these foods, that these things are unclean, then why is it that Jesus can say, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them? And how can the Apostle Peter have a vision where he is told to eat unclean animals? And he's so confronted by this prospect that, because he, he knows the law. So he says, he replies, Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. But then he's told, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And certainly for Paul, he's very clear. I'm convinced, been fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But these laws weren't just about food. And so in Exodus, uh, Israel are commanded to remember the Sabbath, David, keep it holy. And then the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament, Therefore do not let anyone judge you because of what you eat or drink, or with regards to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. And perhaps the biggest one of all is how we deal with the problem of sin. So the law is very clear that Israel are to come before God and to sacrifice an animal. And that sacrifice was to be a substitute for them. So that sacrifice would die in their place to pay the price for their sin. But as Christians, we clearly don't do that. So why has everything changed? Why? Now, did Jesus come along and just go, you know what, this is all just really way too hard. So let's just put all of this aside. We'll forget the Old Testament and we'll just start again with a clean slate. Uh, certainly for some people who are listening to Jesus on that day as he preaches on that mountain, that's what they perceive him to be doing. And so Jesus responds unequivocally. Uh, and this is the beginning of our passage today. Uh, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the, pro- or the prophets. Uh, and just to be clear about what abolish means, Jesus then goes on to emphasise the point in the very next verse. But truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So the first thing that Jesus wants to affirm is this is about the law and the prophets. So it's not just the Old Testament rules, you know, like the Ten Commandments and things like that. It's everything that God has said through his prophets in the Old Testament. So just to pick a few of the big ones, uh, God promised that he would send someone in the line of David. Uh, so from the book of 2 Samuel, your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, about 700 BC, uh, spoke of the one who would come and suffer for our sin. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So God has declared in his word that these things would happen and these things did happen in the life, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus. So the law is not abolished, but at the same time, it's not the same. And the key to understanding all of this and all the difference is the one word, fulfilled. 
So he says, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So the Old Testament law and the prophets were all about showing people how to live a God-honouring life. So live in relationship with our Creator, live in relationship with one another. And the law revealed the character of God, His holiness, His goodness, His compassion and His mercy, but also His justice. And the law reveals the sinfulness of humanity. Now, even when we know what the right thing is to do in any given situation, we so often don't do it. And we don't even have the ability and the self-control to do it. Our whole nature conspires against us. And so often, knowing the right thing to do gets hijacked by those other feelings of greed and selfishness and envy and jealousy and lust. And the law provided a solution. So we see how... God, how sin and God's mercy come together in the Old Testament in the sacrificial system. So, but that was never God's plan uh, for all time. It was a system for a time, but God always had bigger plans ahead. And so the writer to the Hebrews puts it like this. Uh, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeatedly, repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. And so the law isn't abolished. It doesn't disappear. It's still part of God's declared word. It still reveals the holiness of God and the problem of sin. And it still reveals God's intention to save people. And it's not abolished in the sense that we still need a substitute to deal with sin. But instead now of having a symbolic substitute with animals, we have a genuine like-for-like, once-for-all substitute in Jesus. So Jesus is not arguing here abolishing versus everything staying the same. He's arguing abolishing versus fulfilling. Uh, So the Old Testament and God's revelation doesn't is changed in the sense of how goes forward, but it's still the Word of God, and it still shows us what God is like, and it still points us to Jesus. Uh, So to finish uh, the quote from Colossians, therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regards to religious festival, or a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are shadows of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Again, we see a similar idea in Paul's writing when he says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So when Jesus came, he fulfilled the entire law. Uh, So to use perhaps an NF1 illustration, it's not like, you know, the cars are going around the track and one car pulls in and gets a pit stop and things are changed and meanwhile the rest of the law continues on, Uh, the whole law comes in for a pit stop. Uh, And some things are changed uh, dramatically. Some things, for all practical purposes, look like they're going to continue and they look the same. So we're not going back to animal sacrifices. God's people are no longer defined by a cultural national group of people. We're defined by our allegiance to Christ. And God's people no longer set apart a day of rest 
uh, because the Lord has become our rest as we rest in Christ. And we look forward to that rest being perfected and completed as we look forward to heaven. Uh, But there are also plenty of things that continue that at least look the same. Uh, So things like do not murder, uh, do not steal, do not covet, all of those things continue uh, and they continue and then Jesus actually for a lot of them then ups the expectation and we'll see that over the next couple of weeks. So today we sort of lay a foundation and the next couple of weeks we're going to see really practically what that's going to look like. And I think the things that stay the same most notably are those fundamental building blocks of society and how we relate to one another as people. And we know they continue, most simply, because Jesus then reaffirms them and the New Testament writers reaffirm them in the, as we read the New Testament. Uh, so you know, next week we're talking about anger in the same breath as we're going to talk about murder. Uh, so God takes, here's an idea that is already true in the Old Testament, but he actually elevates our concern to really appreciate just how serious anger is. We'll see something similar with lust a week later. So Jesus is affirming the law, but he also shows how it's fulfilled in him. And then he wants to warn people against those who want to simply dismiss the law as something that is now redundant or irrelevant. And so he goes on to say, again, just continue to reinforce this point. So in verse 19, Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So setting aside is very similar language to that of abolishing and disappearing. And the point is the same. Uh, We cannot simply dismiss or trivialise the law as if it was sort of somehow a relic of history. Uh, The law was a fundamental building block for Israel that pointed them to Christ. Uh, So dismissing the law would kind of be a bit like us dismissing the role of our parents in our life. Uh, We like to think that we're kind of independent and that we've worked things out for ourselves. Uh, But as we look back, and perhaps as we get older and look back, we can see more and more how our childhood and how our growing up was actually very significant, very formative in who we are today. It's the same with the law. So the practices of the law means, or so the practice of the law would mean to recognise who Jesus is. He's the Christ who fulfils the law, and to submit to the commands are to submit to the commands of Christ as he fulfills the law. So we're in a new era, but still under God's rule and still listening to how God is working out all of history, but now we're looking at it through the lens of Christ. So as Christians, we no longer talk about obedience in the Old Testament law, we talk about obedience to Christ who fulfills the law. But I think what stands out most starkly in that last verse is this idea of reward in heaven. Uh, that some will be least and some will be great. Uh, Jesus is not saying uh, that we can earn our way into heaven by obedience. Uh, the only way we are ever going to be saved is by recognising Jesus as our Saviour and recognising Jesus as Lord. Uh, but as we recognise Jesus as Lord, um, that is going to show itself in obedience to his commands. And here Jesus is saying, the more faithful we are in our obedience, 
the more that obedience will be recognised as we stand before God in heaven. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, but as we serve our Lord, uh, we certainly want to stand before God one day and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And whatever that obedience looks like, it's certainly going to have to be better than the Pharisees. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Now, Jesus doesn't spell out what makes the righteousness of these Pharisees fall short. Uh, It could be their failure to recognise how Jesus fulfils the Old Testament law and their unwillingness to recognise Jesus as Lord. And certainly for us, that is the most fundamental falling short. If we haven't even started to recognise who Jesus is, then whatever behaviour comes next is irrelevant if you don't have that first step. But I think more likely in this particular context, the problem is that they obey the law on the outside, um, but they miss the point of the law on the inside. Uh, so Jesus sums up the point of the law uh, one day. Someone comes and asks him, you know, how do you summarise the law? So he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbours as yourself. Or the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now Jesus isn't saying anything new here. Uh, He simply quoted Deuteronomy and he's quoted the book of Leviticus. But what is missing here is the heart of the law. Uh, There's lots of compliance but no sense of love. And so uh, this passage in Matthew is actually the diplomatic version. If you keep reading the book of Matthew, by the time you get to chapter 23, he gives this scathing review of the Pharisees. So let me just give you a a sampler. This is one of seven. Uh, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That is a pretty brutal rebuke of a group of people. But, you know, as we read that, and it's easy to point the finger at someone else and sort of feel we're safe. But, you know, as people who are, you know, churchgoers, as people who are committed to being good people, actually, the group of people who are most likely to be like this, to be to have the same rebuke as the Pharisees, is actually us. Because uh, it's so easy to set ourselves up to look good to everyone else around us, uh, to present a good face on Sunday. But we know on the inside uh, that often not everything is well in the world. And who we are isn't just about how people see us, but who we are actually when no one sees us, and when in fact only God can see us, when only God can see us on the inside. You know, it's a bit like our parents trying to get to church on time. Uh, if your family is anything like our family, then you know, Sunday morning, you know, just before you leave, uh, there's the yelling uh, for everyone to hurry up and get ready uh, as you sort of walk into the kitchen and almost trip over the, the skateboard that your daughter left there. Uh, then your son's yelling out that there's, you know, where's my shoes? And then you sort of walk into the kitchen, you think, I'll take a breath for a moment, but if you did that, you'd sort of choke on the smoke. 
uh, that's coming from the toaster um, because someone decided to carbonise a piece of bread. And uh, you know, in all of this, you know, it's all chaos. You finally get in the car, and by the time you pull up into the car park, it's just a picture of serenity. <laughs> yeah, you know, just want, if it wasn't for the kid hopping along, you know, trying to put on a shoe, uh, no one would ever know any better. Uh, and I reckon, you know, there's going to be lots of crises in life, right? And I suspect uh, we are most honest in terms of who we are, and our character is most revealed in a crisis. But the point here is that, that so often that what's going on for us on the inside is not what we present to the world. And that's a real challenge, isn't it? Yeah, how do we be people who are not just people of character and how we present ourselves, but who we genuinely are? And if we are going to be people who genuinely love God, then that should be an outside thing. Uh, we should be obedient. But it also needs to be an inside thing. And we're going to see that again and again over the next couple of weeks as Jesus looks at people's behaviour but actually really challenges what we look like on the inside. And so let me close by seeing if I can put all of this together really succinctly. Uh, the law points to Christ and our need for a saviour. Uh, Jesus fulfills the message of the law and the prophets. He saves us and he calls us to continue to fulfill the point of the law, the purpose of the law, which is to love God and to love one another. Uh, and we're to do that on the outside and we're to do it on the inside. Uh, so let me pray uh, that we might live up to that. Dear Lord, in all the chaos of history and life, we thank you that you have a plan and that you are working out that plan according to your will. We thank you that Jesus fulfills the promises you made to Israel. We thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sin. And we thank you that through your spirit, you are transforming not just our behaviour, but our hearts.